Hello, and welcome to Into the Aether. It's a low-key video game podcast, and my name is Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. Stephen, we're gathered here today to talk about some fun stuff. <laughs> That's wow, right, it's video games. <laughs> that was kind of churchy. A little I know, bit. as soon as I started saying it, I was like, why does it sound like a hymn? Yeah. <laughs> Nothing against that. I'm not against that direction. Yeah. We're a low-key him about video games. <laughs> yeah. It's the part it's the part where the priest closes closes the Bible and then he like stands up in the front and does like a type yeah. five. Let's go off book. Yeah. Hit it. <laughs> You're the cool priest. <laughs> That's gonna be my new PSN name. <laughs> the cool priest. Mm-hmm. I do some sick godspell covers on my acoustic guitar. <laughs> Day by day, all good things for this I pray, to find thee more clearly. Anyway. This is all a great segue for the video game that we're talking about today. That's right. You guessed it. It's Monster Hunter Rise, the demo. Roll away the stone, see the glory of monsters. Uh, The demo for Monster Hunter Rise is out. And we have played a bunch of it, and we're going to talk about it. Yeah. Uh, the hunt continues March 26th. Hey, did you know? <laughs> did you know you could pre-order this game for the hunt that continues on March 26th? Yeah, that's that's the top-level review of this demo, is that every time you die a horrible, painful death to a monster, it's like, the hunt continues! You could pre-order it if you want. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like a huge deal, but you could pre-order this. At any moment, you could stop fighting this monster and, and pre-order the video our game. Friend, our friend and Monster Hunter Pro, who we played with, Pablo, shout out to you. He's been on the show. You know him. You love him. He's like, do you want to know what you get from pre-ordering? And I'm like, absolutely. Yeah. And literally, so in Monster Hunter lore, you always have like a cat companion. This time, you also can have a dog companion. More on that later. If you pre-order the game, the hunt continues. If you pre-order the game, <laughs> uh, you can dress up your cat or dog as like a realistic golden retriever and cat. Right. That's what you get. Yeah. Which so, I, I don't want. I don't want my cat or dog to be more realistic <laughs> while they're getting just completely yeah. walloped by a dragon of, of myth. What's the Harrison Ford movie where he's like, then I met this dog and it's like a CGI dog. It's Call like, of the Wild. It's the movie adaptation of Call of the Wild. <laughs> it looks like that dog, basically. Yeah. Like if you wanted... To role play as Harrison Ford and Call of the Wild. Oh my god, I can't wait to get into that character creator and see if I can do that. (laughs) Then I met Buck. Anyway. (laughs) um, Buck and I hunt Mitsusune up the river. (laughs) So the the demo's out. Um, The demo is cool in that you get 30 hunts, I think. So you can play this game like a pretty good amount. And there are two possible hunts. There's the... uh, is it Mitsusune, he said? That's yeah, like the, I think that's the, that's the second like big one. It looks like Haku from Spirited Away a little bit, but like more yeah, very much. like reptilian. Uh, and then you've got like, you know, just some ostrich, like whatever. Like they, they give you like a very clearly, here's like probably the first monster you're going to hunt in the game. Mm-hmm. And then here's like a mid to end game level monster yeah. that like the three of us playing together could not beat the second one. Yeah. Like we tried maybe six or seven times yeah. and just could not do it. It took hours. Yeah, it was hours yeah. of failure. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. It's really difficult. 
But anyway, uh, in terms of the series, like you and I are are both big fans. I've only played Monster Hunter World. You've played a lot of the ones on 3DS and on Wii U. And I guess just like based on our time with the demo, how are you enjoying it? And how would you compare it to the rest of the series? Just like from what we've experienced. It's worth noting too, like before, before I give the floor to you, when you play the demo, you just choose which weapon you want to use. And like everything is tied to that. So you're not getting like, I guess the second half of the experience, which is like kind of preparing for the hunt and like, eating and changing your equipment and customizing your character like they're kind of just throwing you in in almost yeah. like a dauntless way yeah which is where most of the vibe i think that people really love about this game com- comes from is, totally. is like the preparation and the and the armor crafting and and yeah. just like hanging out in the village or whatever that I, that i think is the thing that like uh, sweeps me away in this franchise me uh, too. as a whole i so i guess just like very quick because we've talked about this in in previous episodes yeah. before but a very quick recap of my time with this franchise franchise um i remember getting uh, a playstation 2 magazine uh and reading about monster hunter the first one before it came out and being like this sounds incredible and thinking that it was never going to get released in the united states and then it did and then i went and got it a friend and i got it and we played it just to death but we were horrible at it like really bad (laughs) just could not understand how the combat worked literally at all uh because i I don't know how old we were but we were young um after that my my next entry into the franchise was uh, Monster Hunter 3 for the Wii U, uh, which is a game that I played a ton of completely by myself. I just didn't know anyone else who had a Wii U or was into Monster Hunter. Um, yeah. So I just played a lot a of big, that game. A big ask at yeah, that time. Absolutely. Yeah. There, yeah I, a niche within a niche. The... the, yeah. the <laughs> the Venn diagram just looks like two circles separate from one another. <laughs> Do you have Pinkerton on your Zoom? Is basically what you're asking. <laughs> yeah, your your uh, knockoff sand disc MP3 player you got from Walgreens. Um, yeah. Anyway, so uh, actually, I feel like that is where people would listen to Pinkerton. Oh, absolutely! It's a good album. No yeah. shade. Uh, anyway, so that was the next one I played. And then uh, I dabbled in some of the ones for uh, the 3DS. I got four and I think Generations and also have played a little bit of Monster Hunter Freedom Unite on the PSP, which I have heard is maybe the best Monster Hunter of all of them, mm. um, which is interesting. I played a little bit of it, not a whole lot. I do actually want to go in and like play more of it. Um, yeah. And I, I think I will because I still have it maybe one day. But who knows? Because I then went on to play World, which was like earth shattering what I had always wanted from this franchise all of my friends also got it at the same time because it came out in january when nothing else was coming out it was just like the perfect time for that game to come out a game about like community and playing together and preparing together and like also just kind of hanging out with your friends you know just being like okay so i'm gonna use this weapon i'm gonna use this weapon we're all gonna load out this way you know just like chilling out um around the campfire until you decide like okay well i guess now we should go kill a monster and then you have a half hour of like just incredibly like raucous fun uh and then you go back and you hang out in the village for another hour like that that cycle is really great and really good with friends and that was my first time really playing monster hunter like with a group of people and i loved it and and at that point it was like a no going back scenario uh in in two regards one was like i don't know if i'm gonna want to play these games by myself anymore Uh, and two world has so many quality of life improvements as we talked about in our bonus episode about monster hunter world yeah um, that like it's hard to go back to the other ones 
um, just because there's so much stuff in there that that is wonderful. Uh, like top line thing that I think is separates World from all the other ones is just the map is seamless. So like in previous games, you would have to have a loading screen as you like went from area to area on the maps, um, which like always was a bummer. Uh, and and just that little tweak made the game feel so much more seamless and fun and and uh, allowed for a more interesting sense of community, I think, uh, as you were playing with your friends, because your friends could be, you know, in a different area and it would take you like not that long to get there. You wouldn't have to sit through six loading screens to get to the top of the map in some instances. So all of that said, I was really interested in what was coming next for Monster Hunter. And, and when Rise was announced only for the Nintendo Switch, which I thought was interesting. Um, when Rise was announced only for the Nintendo Switch, I was like, the fact that this isn't coming out on the same platforms that World came out on makes me think it's going to be more like pre-World Monster Hunter than post-World Monster Hunter. It seems like it's going to be a continuation for the people who played on the 3DS than it is a continuation for people who played on PC, Xbox, and, and PlayStation. And I would say that there's a healthy mix of both here yeah um, it it doesn't feel like a step forward for allowing more people I, I think like an easier entryway into the franchise as far as I can tell that might be different when the full game drops you know yeah. but as far as the as far as the demo goes like there's a tutorial that as you mentioned and I'm excited to hear you talk about it is like wildly confusing um, <laughs> and then there are two hunts one of which is too easy and one of which is too hard yeah um, so like <laughs> there's really like if, if this whole thing is a balancing act like the demo doesn't make a great case that they've nailed it um, no. but that said what is great here is the map is seamless again traversal yeah. is way more fun because you now have a zip line like in playstation 2 spider-man you can uh cling to anything it rules uh, like even midair uh which is wonderful uh you can have a dog instead of a cat that you can ride around so your mobility is increased if you're like chasing a monster from point a to point b um there's just a lot here that feels like it it's kind of inspired by the the quality of life improvements of world um even things just like you don't have to throw this is like really in the weeds but i'm just going to say it for the people who played monster hunter games before uh you don't have to throw a paintball at a monster to know where it is anymore if you've seen it you can tell where it's going or where it's going to be later uh so there's no like consumable item that you have to like craft and use and throw and that will dissipate over time like you just always know where the thing is uh which is really nice um you can like grab uh items as you're like running so you don't have to like stop and like go through the whole animation that makes the like do 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 like noise every yeah. time you pick something up um there's just like a lot of things here and there that make the game feel snappier and and uh allow you to get into the action faster which i think is a net positive the 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 negatives come from the fact that i think like even from a ui perspective it's like so obtuse uh i was even shocked like coming from world i was still shocked like at all the stuff that was on the screen it took me a while to parse what was happening yeah, I, I i compared it to final fantasy 14 in terms of like yes everything you want to do is there but you need like you need to have someone be like here's how to like if we didn't have pablo there i would have probably shut the game off like <laughs> i yeah because like Here's the deal, and, and I guess it might be a good time to, to talk about the tutorial and, like, get over Please. it. Because, yes, like, yes. you'd go to the tutorial and you meet this, like, trainer who's like, hey, it's my favorite pupil. <laughs> and he tells you, like, press this button to do this. And it's, okay, cool, that's straightforward. And then you get, like, an eight-box text instruction that will say, like, here's, like, the metagame strategy of, like, how to move. And it's like, I... 
don't have the mental blueprint yet to apply this information. Yeah. And they'll straight up say like to, to fast travel push minus. They show like a hyphen. It's like, okay. There is literally a button on the controller that is a minus key. You click you you push that button as advised by both your teacher and the eight text box, and it pulls up a menu that is like chat shortcuts and stickers that are great. There's yeah. a cat lounging that says chill, which like I'm obsessed with. That's not what I wanted to happen. You have to push left on the D-pad. When they showed you the actual button icon for the button that exists on the controller, they meant a direction that was not implied. It is a <laughs> fucking mess. F minus. Yeah. That's something that is also the case in Worlds. And like, truth be told, once you get used to it, it's fine. Like, once you know how to do things, you can do them. But like, there was an opportunity to like, still have a, all those options exist, but make it like, like there's a radial menu, cool, but like, again, you have to have someone tell you that that, that exists to make use of it. Right. Um, it's really bad. And it's frustrating because I love this series and I, and I really already like this game a lot. And I think that it is potentially like a, a good blend of everything. I still think World is easily the entry point, you know, even based on like just this demo, I think definitely start with World still. Yeah. But this seems to be capturing like, like our friend Pablo, who's a longtime fan, he was kind of lukewarm on World for some of the design choices and like just the vibe of it. Rise is already like way more colorful mm -hmm. and the music is incredible. Like the music in this game is already leagues better than it was in Worlds. So like it's a great game. I, I really enjoyed our time with it, but like the menu is a mess and it's really frustrating because like yeah, it you just know, it just feels like you get it feels like they're they're beholden to a thing that longtime fans like with no interest in in paring it down whatsoever. You know, yeah. like and, and, and I, I appreciate that to a certain extent, you know, like know know your hardcore fan base, like understand what they want um, because they're the ones who are going to stick around and play for two, three, four, five hundred hours. But that said, there's no there's no reason to not allow for an easier entry point. There's no reason to yeah, like not liking this UI is basically Stockholm syndrome, honestly. <laughs> I, I'll say it. You know, yeah. like I, I think I think I agree with you. I mean it's just yeah. as a person who does understand the UI and knows how the controls work because I've played these games in the past, I still wish every time they release a new one that it was better. <laughs> I want yeah. it to be better. Because it's so obvious where it could be better. And and I don't I don't want to be like a fucking armchair <laughs> game design guy, but like it's not it's not hard to right. look at the menu of this game and think like this can't be the easiest best way to make this happen what i'm asking for is like for the tutorial to tell me to push the actual button they want me to push that's mm -hmm. what i want you know maybe rethink the minus key if it's a switch exclusive especially yeah. rethink that dash means left i can't get over it but, but also it was like 10 actual minutes of my life down the drain <laughs> from this guy telling me how to push the wrong button the, the response to that is also going to be though like uh, other games didn't even have tutorials which my sure. yeah. like that but all i don't think that's a good argument either because that sucks even more <laughs> that's worse I'll say like, this i think like there's so much that monster hunter allows you to do and that's the strength of the series is like there's so many tools and equipment that like it is hard to translate all of these actions into a single controller you know yeah, yeah but i do i do think it can be improved and like you said i think it's like they're, they're beholden to, to a system that is clearly not working it's like if someone loved microsoft 98 and just refused to change it and it's like right, okay yeah like, yeah. I know you're used to this. It doesn't mean it's good. Yeah, yeah, totally. I feel like there is, like, I've been playing uh, games recently, uh, Dragon Quest. But Dragon Quest, I think, is an interesting example of, like, here's a series that has not changed things about it for, like, the the entire for, like, history years, of the series. Yeah. <laughs> 
but they do change certain things that make the experience better while still like giving you the crux of what you want, you know? Yeah. And I yeah. think that there's, there's a way to make things more painless without even streamlining it, you know? And I think... Mm-hmm. I don't want to I don't want to be too negative on the UI but I think like our our show is about celebrating games we love and I do really like this demo but I have to point this out because it's like this is the thing that I'm if I want someone to get into Monster Hunter this is the major pain point and it's unfortunate that's actually exactly what I wanted to talk about in this entire segment was just this concept that like our show is about loving things our show is about bringing games that we really appreciate and adore and enjoy and want more people to check out generally and like I genuinely want more people to check out Monster Hunter and experience why you and I like it so much. I just am frustrated and I think it's important to share that frustration out yes. loud yeah. that the experience of becoming a fan of Monster Hunter is bad for a while. <laughs> it's not it's not a good experience for a bit and everyone goes through that. You have to you have to go on to youtube.com and like search for tutorials on how to play uh play like the opening hours of whatever game it is that you're playing. That is that is how these games work. What's nice is, you know, nice with an asterisk on it, but What's nice is once you learn how to play any Monster Hunter game, that information will carry over into every other one. There are only yeah. little there are only little tweaks here and there that you're going to have to learn if you're like moving from one Monster Hunter game to another. Um, as as you experienced having only played World before, even the experience of playing with the hammer in in World, which you really liked, as soon as you picked up the hammer in Monster Hunter Rise, you were like, oh, this feels like I'm home again, which is like yeah, is yeah, the feeling. Exactly. I've been playing Monster Hunter games with a longsword since three on the wii u um and it fucking owns it's great i mean like i i already know exactly how to play that weapon so that's not the thing that i have to learn i don't have to learn how the combat works i just have to learn about the like little tiny mechanisms yeah. and mechanics that they've introduced in whatever the new franchise is uh, or whatever the new entry is it's almost like a it has some kind of fighting game dna in that where it's like okay i know how to play ryu you know it's like yes. ryu is always going to play a certain way in every street fighter even if it's like the nuances are a little bit different yeah yeah but all of that said, I the, the reason that I, I wanted us to share our frustration with it is just like if you are a person who downloads this demo and you find it really obtuse and hard to parse, like that is part of the experience. And it takes a specific kind of person to push through that. But it is worth noting that like what you get on the other end of that is really fun, especially when you're experiencing it with people. So like, yeah. even for even for you again who who's only played world like you were fighting the end game monster in this demo with pablo and i like we were doing a pretty good job for yeah, a while we held our own for a while and i think yeah. the the beauty of this series you described it off the show as the optimus dark souls which i think is a really good metaphor because yes. it's like whereas dark souls also encourages you to work together at a certain point if you're struggling um, monster hunter relies on cooperation you know mm-hmm. it, it celebrates and encourages cooperation in a way that few games do and like really being like okay we've lost this monster eight times in a row what are we doing wrong let's go in with these weapons maybe mm-hmm. we'll do this instead like really forming a plan and and the, the thing the game does so well is that menus aside it is so pleasant to be there yeah it's nice to be in this place that you don't feel i never felt the frustration that i sometimes do in dark souls games where like yeah 
you know, you have to crawl through sewage again to get your ass kicked. Where this is like, <laughs> you go back to camp and you eat a, you know, raw turkey leg with the cat chef. And it's like very, and like, it's so cheery that you almost wonder when it's going to flip. Because like, <laughs> I, I was carving a monster and the character was like, daddy needs some new boots. And I'm like, this is Shining-esque, you know, like, yeah. I don't think the game is aware of that. But <laughs> it's just like so relentlessly positive. And other than the fact that you're killing these monsters, like, it is just like, let's Let's hunt, you know, and like, yeah. that's really it. And I right. think that the, the, tone, the tone of of I, this is a classic move to compare games to Dark Souls. I think the game franchise that you can compare to Dark Souls easiest is Monster Hunter, uh, yes. mainly because of the way combat mechanics work and um, just the the focus on cooperation. Um, but the tone of Dark Souls has always been like this is a throwback to like a, a PS2 era of RPG. You're going to have to go on Game Facts and Google like or, or, and search <laughs> for like the thing that you're trying to do. And the tone of the actual like uh, world is is dour and bleak and it doesn't expect you to succeed and it constantly tells you that you should stop like you personally have to build up the perseverance to continue in Dark Souls whereas Monster Hunter every NPC that you talk to is like you're going to do fine out there like just you know upgrade this thing upgrade this thing come talk to me I'll help you out I'll give you this side quest I'll help you upgrade this thing you know go up here meet up with your friends and go out together because then you're going to succeed even easier you're going to succeed with a plum and we're all going to be applauding for you when you get back. And if you fail, that's fine. You just, you know, re- recalibrate your strategy. Like, that's what the game tells you yeah. over and over and over again in Monster Hunter. Even though I would say that the combat can be as difficult, if not more so in some instances, than Dark Souls. Monster Hunter wants you to persevere and, and make it through. Um, yeah, and you're so, not punished yeah. for losing. You know, right. it's like, it's really just like, okay, like, try again. And I think another good entry point, weirdly, if you're interested in this series, uh, Monster Hunter World is like, I think, the quintessential entry point. But Dauntless, which was a game that came out that was like an arcadey kind of like microcosm of of Monster Hunter, where it's like you literally just yes. jump onto an island and fight a monster with three people. Like yeah. that will give you a taste of how the combat works. Maybe. I mean, I think Dauntless does not have the part of Monster Hunter that we really like. But I think that like that would probably be the most accessible taste of what the series has to offer combat wise. Yes. Um, And I think world will give you a very strong sense of like the other half of it. Yeah, I think so, too. So all of that said about like the franchise as a whole, I I think Rise does feel like a game that I'm going to completely fall into. Like I'm going to like tumble into it like Alice in Wonderland falling into the rabbit hole, like just just like headfirst into my Nintendo Switch. It very quickly, you know, goes from being like, okay, this is not what I was expecting to okay this is something that I could really get into but I, I do think that because I have that that preface and that understanding of what the franchise is and can be and has been I think it made it, it made that transition easier for me but it was very quick like playing with Pablo and then eventually you joined as well I was like oh man I'm just like really right back in the routine of, of yeah. like loving just fighting monsters with my friends um, and you go out there it's, it's worth noting that the you know as we mentioned there are the two hunts that you can do one of them is like kind of a velociraptor thing and the other one is like a, a like a water dragon of, of legend there are other monsters just like kind of around in both yeah. of those hunts as well so there's like a big bear for monster hunter 3 i think in in the velociraptor one that is like harder to beat than the velociraptor thing but like you could just go hunt that on the side if you want to and it's a really really fun fight um and in the in the water dragon one like the other monsters in there are really fucking hard um including like end game dragon shit um are, are in there which is really cool so there's a lot to be experienced in this demo i think 
think you know if you're a fan of the franchise or if you are somebody who wants to get into it like there's a there's a lot of meat to what they allow you to download but unfortunately you can only play it 30 times and then you're done but that said i i think that this game uh just like really kind of sands off the edges that i was hoping it would sand off in some instances um which is going to make it easier for me to love it faster i think yeah it also feels i mean i think they recognize that worlds brought in a lot of new players and this feels kind of simultaneous i would imagine this game is going to feel like both here's the monster hunter game on switch that's for the longtime fans um i mean they have i think a few of the other ones too on switch but like here's a new title that's like in the same league as the pre-world games and also if you got into the series via world this is probably a good a a good next step it it almost feels so disconnected from world in some instances that i i almost wonder if this is like the world for people who are diehard nintendo fans you know like this is this is monster hunter world but just for the nintendo side of the monster hunter franchise because i think from what we know so monster hunter world came out and then iceborne came out and i think there are plans to make more monster hunter games for those platforms so like there's it's possible that a world 2 shows up eventually which like will be the monster hunter world for those people but i think uh if if you're like a nintendo diehard and you've never played this franchise this seems to be a better entry point than like any of the other monster hunter games i've played uh prior to this on a nintendo device specifically uh the one that's available on switch right now is monster hunter generations which is awesome i mean it's it's now that's what i call music but for monster hunter like for real <laughs> no that's what i call monsters yeah, yeah. It, it is it is like uh a, a, a best of collection of like all of the greatest monsters from previous games which is really cool and i love that that exists but like that is for the like diehard of the diehard not to say you can't get into that one any monster hunter is one that you can get into but i think i think rise is kind of positioning itself to be a better entry point not only that but like I don't know if you watched the uh, there was like a Capcom direct. It wasn't a Nintendo direct. It was like a Capcom direct uh, where they talked about this game. But just talking about the village and like the characters in the village, like generally the the characters in the like starting village, like don't have names that aren't like actual NPCs that you like hang out with. You just kind of know them as like the person who gives you quests and not like this. This person has a name and a personality and a vibe all their own. Um, and and that seems to be the kind of thing they're doubling down on here. So like you f- really feel an attachment to the world in a way that I think uh, you specifically are really going to enjoy. I think um, so. Yeah. And I think it's just going to brighten the place up. I think so. Because like the menu screen for Rise is like this girl singing in like a village and there's like flower petals falling. I'm like, this is a great place. I'm into yeah. this vibe. You know, yeah. I'm also really excited for uh, there's like a spinoff series called Stories. Yeah, that I think. Rise also weirdly is taking a bit from like the, the riding the dogs, I think, is straight from stories, oh, if I'm not mistaken. That's cool. That's what Pablo was saying. Yeah. yeah. But stories two is also coming out this year. So there are two big kind of switch Monster Hunter games. Rise seems like this is more alongside the traditional series, but like mm-hmm. is kind of incorporating a lot of elements. And then stories two will be like very much of the kind of cartoony breath of the wild yeah. uh, looking experience. I'm wondering how that's going to differentiate. I, I think is stories more of like an RPG or something. I don't I think know. It is. Yeah. It. I don't really yeah. know anything about it either. I haven't played yeah. them. Um, but yeah. from what I gathered from the initial announcement of the second one, it seemed more like a, like an RPG thing. Yeah. It looks cool. I don't know if this is the case, but the art kind of reminded me of the, 
the Breath of Fire series, mm. which like would make sense because that's another Capcom RPG. So I'll yeah. keep my eye on that. But I am definitely going to get Rise. I think the demo, if you're a fan of the series, is definitely worth playing. And also too, like yeah, as as much as we're saying like these games are the entry point, these games are more obtuse. Like play whatever intrigues you. Like you know, if you put in the the time, it could be the entry point for you. Like you alluded to earlier. Yeah. It is that like there are some games in the series that put more effort into welcoming you than other ones and <laughs> yeah uh this demo uh is, is you know just sort of like throwing you right in you know you yeah. can't the, even eat a meal before yeah, hunting the thing the thing about monster hunter in general like even world you know which is maybe the best entry point but is still extremely opaque in some of its systems um yeah. like regardless of which one you start with you're still gonna have to pick from like the 12 different weapons or even maybe more than that. i don't even remember how many there are at this point but you're gonna have to pick from the different weapons and figure out which one you like the most and like that might not even hold true throughout your entire playthrough of the game but that experience by itself is like kind of a daunting undertaking in general also is like when you pick up all these weapons which one feels the most like something that you'd want to stick with uh it took me a long time to pick like longsword as the thing that i was always going to use yeah um but like there are a ton of weapons in there and that is always going to happen in every monster hunter game there's no way I, i that i can think of to make that easier really like it really just requires you picking up each weapon set and and uh going out into the world and like trying them and seeing which one feels the best and that is going to take a lot of time and that's kind of the thing but also the 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 game is about that in a lot of instances right like we're talking a lot about preparation and like hanging out with your friends and like uh trying different strategies for different things you know that is partially what the game is uh, is trying to accomplish is this sense of like patience and perseverance um so you know i i I love this franchise i think it's great i'm really excited for rise i'm gonna pick it up immediately yeah but uh that said i I think it's just worth noting for people who like haven't played them before um it takes work to get into monster hunter it super pays off yeah especially with a group i'm i'm really because i i played world world was like our two ships passing in 2018 because we started the show six months after it came out and, and we had secretly both played it but i played world largely by myself yeah which I still enjoy, but I'm really excited to hopefully play Rise with you and Pablo and some other friends, like have a core group. That yeah. would be so much fun. I think it's going to be awesome. Um, I think we're going to yeah. have a great time. Yeah, I'm very, very excited. Also, the outfit you wear for the Hammer character in the demo <laughs> is unreal. It's like a Paddington yellow raincoat and like a helmet made of bananas. Just like incredible yeah. energy across it's, the board. It's awesome. Yeah, the, f- for some reason, uh, not for some reason, but in the demo, you can't make your own character. As you were saying, you just have to pick a weapon and then they just like have a loadout all their yeah. own. Uh, the only thing you really get to pick is if you have a cat or a dog, which actually is very useful. It's worth. Me- it's probably worth mentioning also. Yeah. If, if you have the dog, the dog you can ride around, which is awesome so you're just like sprinting through the world which i love but also the dog has a sword in its mouth and will help you in fights the cat if you pick the cat the palico they will also attack the enemy during fights but instead of the ability to you know ride them around because they are a small cat instead they will like kind of throw healing orbs around the battlefield as you're fighting that you can use to heal up instead yeah. of using your consumables which is awesome it's really nice and it's a nice strategy too because like we often were like okay should we all choose cats because like mobility isn't the issue here we're just like dying too soon so like maybe 
having more support would be helpful. Yeah. I also love like they randomly name your cat and dog. <laughs> I, I imagine you can name yeah. them in the full game, but in the demo, they just randomly name them. And there was one where like both your cats had these like really long, fancy names and my cat was named Joel. <laughs> I was like, I love this. <laughs> I love Joel. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's a really fun time. Um, going in with the mental blueprint of worlds, I really enjoy the demo. Menus aside. And like, it really was like I was being like a grumpy old man about it. And then as soon as I knew how to do it, it was fine. Yeah. I just think that that is like, there, like you said, and this is just sort of, you know, to end this point, there's so much kind of conscious effort that it requires getting into this series that the menu shouldn't also be that. Like, there's no payoff for going through that stress. Yeah, it's just, I agree. it's just busy work. So like if that was sanded off, I think it would be a much more focused experience. But anyway. right. Yeah. If, if at any point the high level pitch for this game was we want this to be a better entry point for new players, then it does. It doesn't feel that way in a lot of the places where it counts, I think. Yeah, totally. But yeah, I mean, it's it's a great time. We'll talk about it again when it comes out. And I'm sure we're going to play a lot of it and probably stream a little bit of it, too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We, we we technically streamed our uh, our experience the other day, which was like really brutal. Just watching us die <laughs> over and over again. But I was having a blast the whole time. That's the thing is fun. like a, yeah. we, we didn't win at all. But I had a great time playing. It. It's fun. Yeah, it's fun too. like we got much closer. Like once we I, I switched to the lance, which was a very interesting weapon. Yeah, because you can use your shield. I'm like, I was like, using my shield at certain times when the the monster charged me. But then mm-hmm. like he would just shoot water out of his breath and we would all get one shot. It's like, oh, OK, well, yeah, that was fun. Well, lasted. yeah. Also, like Dark Souls, uh, these games have like really, really wildly specific hitboxes, like really yeah. hyper accurate hitboxes. So like if if the the water laser beam that the that the dragon shoots out of its mouth touches you at all, like you're fucked. But also <laughs> kind of easier to dodge it than you would expect in some instances or you know if, if you can tell that the animation is coming beforehand also like dark souls you can get out of the way you can get out of range of that of that laser beam um but it's really difficult to do all of those things even I one of when, those things is yeah. hard doing all of them is really difficult and that's why it's like an end game hunt it's thrilling though when the when the monster finally like stumbles on its back and everyone's like kick his ass kick his ass <laughs> like running in. uh yeah, yeah. It's, it's great um it's a really fun time yeah looking forward to it uh you want to take a break and then uh talk about some some more video games yeah we're laughing because uh when i tweeted uh oops this is becoming a dragon quest podcast i wasn't kidding that's all i'll say um we will be back shortly goodbye goodbye so Brendan, last week we uh, talked yet again about Dragon Quest XI S Echoes of Elusive Age Definitive Edition for the Nintendo Switch now on Game Pass, mm-hmm. and I had finally revi- revisited it and got really far in and was loving it, and we we gushed about it. You can hear our, our thoughts in last week's episode, and then I kind of like half joked. I was like, I'll probably have it finished in a week, and like many things on the Aether, sometimes we'll say things half jokingly and they will become true. And you guessed it, dear listener, in a week's time, <laughs> I am now. <laughs> I am now at the point of the game that took Brendan over a year because he, like a responsible human, paced it out and did not sort of play it to a level where when you look in the mirror, you see a slime smiling <laughs> vacantly back at you <laughs> saying nothing and everything. I'm in the post game and I am loving it. We're, uh, we have established that Dragon Quest XI is going to be the bonus episode of this month. So like, there's a lot to talk about with the post game. I, I am excited to discuss it with you, Brendan. And I think we're going to... Like, go through the whole story in that episode. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I think it'll be a good time. It, I am like uh, metaphorically 
what i don't know just pulling my hair out that we can't like talk about (laughs) the post game right now because what a wild thing it is that happens after the credits but you you've made it like to the end of the main story and got to the credits do you do you just a top level i guess for people who haven't played this game and are like maybe interested in it do you agree with me that you could put the game down at the at the point where the credits roll and like be like yes that was a good experience yeah i think so i think i think especially if it's like your first dragon quest or your first uh I mean, it was my first Dragon Quest, and I yeah. felt like there is a version of this game where you stop there and you could very well be content. I think that like there's enough allure to the post game, and like the game does enough to set it up that it doesn't feel tacked on at all. Yes. Like, it feels like narratively justified, but it definitely feels like you're playing Dragon Quest Eleven One Point Five. Yes, yeah. you know, it's like definitely like I think uh, in the Tim Rogers video he describes the game feeling like its own sequel, and it feels like that. It feels yeah. like you're watching a uh, it feels like you watched a full season of Dragon Ball and then a movie comes out about that season. That's like mm-hmm. a little bit more. Yeah, that is, that is very much what it feels like. Yeah, the, I, I think the thing that um, the, the reason I wanted to ask that question, because I, I agree with you on that point, um, I, I think it's a lot easier for people to sign up for. It took me uh, 60 hours and 57 minutes to beat the game the first time, like to roll credits. It's a lot easier for people to sign on for a 60 hour RPG than it is for what is now looking to me more like an 80 to 90 hour to maybe even a hundred hour RPG. If, yeah. you, if you do everything in the post game, it is worth noting again, the post game gets really fucking hard. It's really difficult. You have to like really want a lot more of this game and like be willing to like put the effort into getting it back uh, yeah. to enjoy the post game really which i think like that is one of the reasons why i would say hey if you like this game but you don't like it's not like your favorite game ever you know maybe maybe put it down after the after the credits roll and just like say you're good i think the post game definitely feels like it's a love letter for longtime fans you yeah, know and totally. like what we're going to be talking about in this episode is that you know now that we're both on the same level about this series We've been checking out other entries in in the series slowly but surely. Yeah, and we've each checked out. Uh, I in after I I fell deeply and it's sort of maybe even like an evil spell allure <laughs> for Dragon Quest. I picked up uh, a few games. I got three on the Switch, mm-hmm. which three uh, Seeds of Evil, I believe. I gotta say, Final Fantasy, step it the fuck up with the subtitles because you have none in Dragon <laughs> Quest. <laughs> Dragon Quest, other than the first one, and I think the 10th one, which is the MMO, there's a subtitle for each of the games, and they're all amazing. So I have Dragon Quest Three, The Seeds of Salvation, excuse me, Seeds of Salvation, on the Switch, which felt like the right place to have it. I have Dragon Quest Eight on the 3DS, which which you have also picked up, and I also have Dragon Quest Five on my iPhone, which I'll be talking about more later. But I think you also picked up a bunch, right? Yeah, I have. Um, okay, so I have <laughs> Dragon Quest Five on iOS as well. Dragon Quest Eight on 3DS as well. Um, I made a Japanese Nintendo online account and downloaded and started playing Dragon Quest Ten, which is an MMO, um, which like. I really could only play so much of that game with the uh, Google Translate camera like held up on my phone to the TV <laughs> before saying yeah. like, maybe this isn't worth it. Maybe I'll just wait and see if they hopefully localize it one day. Um, so I, I put that one to bed. Um, I also downloaded Dragon Quest nine 
for the DS. Um, Ooh, very which, cool. Which um, I, I played like an hour of. But I'm, I'm thinking about picking up one, two, and three just because they're on the Switch and it seems like a fun, like, novel thing to have. Um, and, and they're, like, pretty cheap. But that said, the ones that I've, like, actually really put time into, like, enough so that I would be willing to, like, talk about them in a segment at the moment um, are five and eight. And uh, you, you've played way more five than I have, and I've played way more eight than you have. So I, I'm, I'm glad that we both have, like, a bedrock of yeah. understanding here. Um, Me too. So I, I'm more curious in your side of this because you downloaded five for uh, iOS. It's worth noting every Dragon Quest game one through eight. Uh, so the first eight of them are all available on iOS and Android right now. And in a lot of instances, what I've heard is that the iOS versions are sometimes the definitive editions of those games, uh, specifically four and five. I've heard are better on iOS and Android than they are on any other platform, which is worth noting and like definitely worth considering uh, because the ease of downloading them is, you know, it's it's frictionless. Yeah. And they're cheaper, too. It's ten dollars for five versus like haggling on eBay for a DS cartridge. Yeah. Uh, which I've actually been looking for and they're like around like 30 to 40 bucks right now still. Yeah. Um, yeah. So five, five is a game uh, that was, I think initially released for the super Nintendo. Um, it was super Famicom. So it's yeah. Japan only. Right. Uh, hold on. I need to say the subtitle first before we dive in. It's dragon quest five hand of the heavenly bride. Yes. That's the subtitle for this one. So good. So Dragon Quest V originally released on the Super Famicom, eventually made it over to the United States uh, with its new subtitle, Hand of the Heavenly Bride. Um, I don't think they have subtitles in Japan. I think they're only subtitled in the in the uh, Western Oh, that, that makes sense. Um, yeah, gotcha. But anyway, got got released here eventually. Uh, there's a DS remake that, uh, that was floating around, and I think the DS remake is the basis of the port to iOS. That's the thing, and that's something, because like, the mobile ports for Square RPGs are like usually terrible. Like honestly, like a lot of the Final Fantasy ones are like uh, real I, bad. I don't know if I did. We talk about this. I don't know if we talked about this. I re-downloaded the the Chrono Trigger port for iOS and had the worst time playing it. I'm I tried so playing it a couple weeks ago, and I was like, I need to just like get the get get the DS one. It's great. Yeah, but I think speaking of that, like I think because the the reason they're bad, like the Final Fantasy VI port, for example, at least the first one. Maybe there's a new one, but they like clean up the sprites in a way that makes them weirdly smooth. And it looks terrible mm. and like the font is like just straight up Arial, which like shouldn't be a big deal but in a game where like bulk of the story is the text to have it like look like it was made in Microsoft Paint is just really a bummer I so agree with you the, yeah. the I can't believe that the font choice like really drives me wild in a lot of instances yeah. with these with this stuff but there are there are mobile ports that are basically just the DS ports that are great. So like, I think you were playing Final Fantasy four on your phone, which was just the, the DS remake, which was really fun. It's so good. Yeah. And I'm playing Dragon Quest five, which is really great. And you mentioned this in our last episode, but the way to play Dragon Quest is like, or the traditional way at least is like to play it an hour or two before you go to bed and like really pace it out that way. Yeah. I'm, I'm playing Dragon Quest 11 on my Xbox Series S <laughs> definitive <laughs> edition. Uh, so I can't, I can't have that like handheld in bed experience, but yeah. I can with Dragon Quest five. And I've been playing it like for an hour or two before I go to bed. And it's perfect because it really does feel paced that way. Like even this one in particular is like very episodic in that way. Yeah. And also uh, it is a little bit shorter. It's like 
a 30, 35 hour long game. So mm-hmm. like it's a little bit feasible. It's okay. If I play this like every night for a month, I will have finished it, you know, yeah, and it's like totally. just a nice little, you know, not just the nightmarish, like blinkless binge that my Xbox experience was with <laughs> Dragon Quest 11, but you know, more kind of, so you, you were setting it up. Did you have anything more to say before I share my experience? Uh, no, no, no. I was actually just going to bring up the fact that you mentioned that you were playing it like in an hour or two each, each, yeah. each session, which I think is you know very different from how you and I are playing 11 at the moment. Um, yeah. But because it is worth mentioning that like as soon as you told me you were playing 11 again and I loaded it up and realized that I was close to the end, I did like super fucking binge the rest of that game. Oh, yeah. Uh, I yeah, just it's... flew to the end. And now that I'm in the post game, I'm like kind of taking my time a little bit me more. Too. I'm a little bit more loose. Yeah. yeah like, which we, is nice. We literally do a little dance whenever we say that. It's like yeah, kind of a. Yeah. Steve and I yeah. actually just dance in real life. Um, yeah. But uh, I, what I will say about 11, I guess before we uh, wrap that up, just one thing that came to mind is like I could see a situation in which I eventually put 11 down before finishing it because some of the post game stuff is like so wild that it's like I don't know if I'll ever do that Um, anyway (laughs) that said um, starting to feel that like the starting to feel those bubbles percolate upwards has caused me to check out the other Dragon Quest games to see if they'll hook me the same way like the opening hours of 11 did and and 5 did that for me um, but then I moved on to 8 but um, I, I'm really excited to hear how you feel about 5 because there's some stuff in 5 that has like rippled outwards through like video game design and yeah. sensibilities since its release it's like a hugely influential game and, and you're, you're really enjoying it from what i can tell yeah i i really adore this game it's it's really special and i can see why i, I think i think in japan three and five are the are the big hits it's like the final fantasy seven of the series kind of thing yeah. like because five so just to kind of set it up five begins and you are a six-year-old child on a boat with your father who your father is like if hercule was actually strong that's the best way i can sum it up oh my god uh, yeah. his name is uh pancras and like you're the six-year-old kid and you're on a boat like to somewhere and your dad's like you know don't get in trouble just like stay here and we'll we'll be there soon yeah and the beginning of the game is just this like still breathtaking like you know super nintendo isometric view of a ship and like as a kid you just walk around it and it really it really captures like what it's like being a kid with nothing directly to do like right away yeah. like and what ends up happening you is just go incur- like you just go like annoy everybody on the ship essentially yeah which is essentially what you do in any RPG, but it's now it makes narrative yeah, sense it's contextualized, you're just a kid yeah. <laughs> with nothing to do. So like, and it's really funny. Like whenever you check like a bookshelf, it's like this book looks like it's about weapons, but you don't know how to read yet. So like you know you can't read. Yeah, and you just sort of end up talking to everyone, and then eventually the boat arrives, and the music is like stunning. Like playing this with headphones too. Like oh my god, it's so. Um, even though nothing is directly happening, like there's no like you're the chosen one, go to the castle in in the beginning of five Mm -hmm. just the sort of like immediate like warm but melancholy of just like this kind of seemingly innocuous moment of your childhood on this boat is like really effective like i immediately was like i already kind of get why this game is so beloved and i haven't done anything yet. <laughs> um yeah so the first few chapters i would say i'm like seven hours in you know so like appropriate amount of time to wow. play a yeah, video game totally it makes sense i've been playing it for a week so like literally an hour or two before i go to bed mm-hmm. and the beginning chapters like you just with your dad pancreas 
Pankras, and like everyone loves him. He's like topless, ripped, and anytime someone sees him, they're like, "Oh, Pankras! Like you rule, man!" He's like, "Hey, thanks, brother!" And like keeps walking. You know, yeah. it just rules. Yeah, uh, he's he's famous everywhere you go. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah, and what's great is like, and, when and walk- every once in a while you'll meet someone, they'll be like, "I heard you were dead. So glad you're not. Welcome back." Yeah, <laughs> and he's like, "Yeah, you can't kill me, brother." You know, so like walking around. Uh, so like he, you and him, and what's cool is like you're walking together on the world map, and you occasionally stumble into random random encounters and like you fight you know you can choose attack and, like you do nothing you're like a six-year-old with a stick and your dad is like critical hitting and this like you know it's unstoppable yeah which i think this game does a really great job at like utilizing the lens of gameplay to aid narrative moments you know without saying it's important like just letting you experience like how how unready you are for the world without your dad in this exact moment right without him saying like you're a kid you're not as strong as me yet but you just see it happen you know in in the lens of battle that you that you will experience um takes a long time before you deal you personally deal a finishing blow on a monster i'll say that much for real and i think what's this immediately magical is like hearing some songs that are in 11 and like hearing the little jingles and notes that happen in battle that are also still in 11 and Mm -hmm. it's like one could criticize like okay this hasn't changed but there's something really magical about that all being linked together through the series yeah because five is immediately even though it's the same battle system you know you'll recognize the spells like kawoosh and stuff like yeah it is a very different game than 11 like immediately and i think that's really cool so the childhood chapters are really fun because it's it's basically pancras doing something saying don't get in trouble and you have to get in trouble to progress the story, basically. Mm-hmm. Me, and like, so the first thing is like you're in this town and you meet a family friend and, and one of them is sick. And they're like, well, the guy who's supposed to bring medicine is stuck in a cave somewhere, that asshole. You know, and they don't even <laughs> say like, go check on him. They're just like, yeah, that dude's stuck in a cave. And like, you talk to everyone in town and they're all like, hey, six-year-old boy. Like, yeah, it's a shame what happened to that guy who's stuck in a cave. And like, no one tells you to go, but you can. And, and eventually you're like, am I ready to go into this cave and like save this guy? Like, I guess I'll <laughs> try yeah and it's tough and it doesn't feel like it's the right thing to do even though it's like clearly obviously the objective like yeah man this game does not have the 11 like in 11 it will always say what your main objective is like always like go here you know mm-hmm. and five they don't it's really up to you picking up on context clues from the villagers but it's done every now and then you straight up will need a guide i'm not gonna lie it has that 1992 rpg but most of the time you can figure out what to do next based on what people are saying and you're going to want to explore and talk to everyone anyway speak it based on the vibe of the game mm-hmm. so you go into the cave you save the guy and and everyone's like oh shit this like little boy just saved you like pancreas you should pay more attention to your son <laughs> and he's like hey good job man but don't do that again okay uh and then you know the next chapter is um you meet this girl bianca who's your age and you both see these two mean kids teasing this very visibly starter pokemon-esque creature this like little <laughs> saber-toothed tiger yeah and bianca's like hey leave him alone like why are you being so mean to this creature and they're like oh well, if you love him so much, like we'll give him to you if you go to that tower that's haunted and get rid of the ghosts. <laughs> like, you know, not thinking Bianca's like, okay, I'll do that shit. Let's go. Let's yeah. go to the tower that's haunted. And like the tower that's haunted is what would be a dungeon you get to in Dragon Quest XI maybe 15 hours in. Not 
appropriate for two six-year-olds that have sticks and I, I thought it was supposed to be like oh you can't win you lose on purpose it's like yeah first boss of demon souls situation yeah, yeah every time you die bianca drags you back into the end she's like we're gonna try again tomorrow and like you got to <laughs> prepare for that battle and that's like maybe something a new pl- like this is why 11 is the one to start with because like i could see someone either new to rpgs or new to the series being frustrated by that but what ends up happening is like, first of all, you level up pretty quickly and the battles are so fun and pacing it out an hour a night. It's okay. Tonight, I'm just going to prep for what I'm going to do tomorrow. Tonight is just Bianca and I fighting slimes and, you know, soaking in this atmosphere. And then tomorrow those ghosts are toast. You know, I'm going to yeah. wipe them out. Okay. I didn't mean to rhyme, but you know, I'm the son of Pancras. Those ghosts are toast, brother. Uh, so I eventually did it. And it's like a really fun quest. Like it's very much like similar to the beats in Ocarina of Time when you're a kid, when you're just like in this world that you don't feel ready for anything and you straight up aren't. Mm. It's really magical. So, you know, more stuff like that happens. And then eventually uh, there's like four kind of chapters like that where there's like a clear dungeon and you do it. Pankras is like, whoa, thanks for getting rid of the ghost, but don't do that again. You're still a kid. Yeah. You know, and eventually at the final chapter of your childhood, your really early childhood, Pankras and you venture together, uh, which oh, nice. in, in things I won't spoil, but like, he's like, okay, like you've proven you're ready for this, but like, you know, I'm still going to fight alongside you. And in a moment I won't spoil, there's like a very big emotional gut punch at the end of your childhood mm-hmm. that leads into you being a young adult, um, which is where I am now. And I, I, I always thought like we talked about in Dragon Quest 11, there's definitely like a beginning of act two that might be surprising in terms of like where the story goes. Yeah. I want, I wonder if that's more common in the series than I thought, because it always kind of starts out like a very straightforward, happy-go-lucky adventure, and then suddenly the game grows up and the stakes get higher, and you're like, "Oh my god, what just happened?" You yeah. know, like the the transition from ch- literal childhood to being an adult is like really well done, and it's worth noting too. This game takes place from your childhood to eventually you being an old man. So like in 30 hours. It covers the protagonist's entire life. And what's really fun, and, and the ripple effect you might have been referring to, is at when once you're a young adult, you can tame monsters to fight in your party. And how that works is in random encounters, there's just a random chance that after the battle, one of the monsters will look at you endearingly and ask <laughs> to, jo- to join your team. Yeah, just and puppy dog eyes. Yeah, it it's doesn't great. happen super often. Uh, and you get a wagon that keeps like all the backup monsters in there because you can have four people in your team. At this point, I have one actual party mate that I could cycle out for a slime named like uh, Gutrude. They randomly <laughs> name the monsters you get. I have uh, Draki, uh, who uh, the Vlad is his name. He's like a bat, you know, with a slime face. Mm-hmm. Gutrude, who's a slime, and Wacka, who is like those creatures with the big hammers that you fight in the beginning. Oh yeah, yeah. He's incredible. Wacka is like MVP. He's incredible. And, you know, obviously this predates Pokemon. I think the only series that kind of had this before Dragon Quest V was SMT. Like the idea of like convincing enemies to fight alongside you was mm-hmm. like a common thing in that series. And I'm sure it existed before this game. But like that mechanic is very fun and also makes grinding feel less tedious because there's always the surprise that I might find a metal slime and suddenly level up like eight levels. Or I might have the metal slime want to join my team. Like, fuck, crazy, you know? <laughs> Really, really fun. And what I really love is that the main character is not the chosen hero. You find out pretty early in your 
adulthood, you're given the sword of Zenithia, which this is um, Dragon Quest 4, 5, and 6 are the Zenithia trilogy, which is like loosely connected. There's a castle in the sky and all of them. And like, that's sort of like the elements that it shares. That's interesting. There are a couple I didn't know that. trilogies. In, I think like... I know 1, 2, and 3 are a trilogy. I didn't realize that 4, 5, and 6 also were. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, it is really cool. Um, and what's neat is that the hero, you know, you're, you're pretty strong and you've got a sword, but all the spells you learn are the spells that Serena, the, you know, the white mage and Eleven learned. So you learn like heal, buff, maybe a few win spells, but you're largely the hero of the game is progressing to be a supportive role for those yeah. around him. So the fact that you're trying to find the chosen hero and also all your abilities in battle are to help others, I think is a really beautiful like purpose to take in as the hero of this game. The fact that you're like recruiting enemies to fight with you. Yeah. I almost wish that was the case in all of them. Yeah, if, if I'm for being real. honest. <laughs> um, and and the, the big thing in this game, you know, which is the subtitle is kind of implying, is eventually in your adulthood, there are three party mates uh, and you can marry one of them. And when you marry them, you have kids who also fight in your party. Amazing. So like... Very Fire Emblem. It's very Fire Emblem. So you eventually are just adventuring with your family. And then, you know, it ends probably with you as an old man. And like that... To cover that scale successfully in 30 hours is like really magnificent. Yeah. I'm not there yet. And I'm sure I'll talk about this game more once I get into the family stuff. I've like just gotten my first few monsters and it's thrilling. So I can't even imagine how fighting alongside my son and daughter will feel, you know? <laughs> yeah. But uh, I think that this game, I can see why it's a favorite because it's doing all these really novel things within a very traditional series. And the story is also really good. Like it's, I think this is known as being one of the better stories in the series. It's familiar stuff, but it's so like, it's so effective at really bringing out your emotions very quickly from something mm -hmm. as simple as like being on a boat with your dad to like the really heavy moments and, and how they kind of just keep like, you know, the, the game is quickly paced, which adds to the feeling of like, I should play this for an hour at a time. And the music is so effective at evoking a mood. And especially like once you've associated a place from your past in the game with the song and hearing it again maybe in a different key or at a different time it's really good i imagine it just gets better and better i really love this game this is probably going to be like one of my favorite rpgs by the time i'm done with it yeah it's like just just the ambition of it alone is so novel and i think that like while there are some 1992 things to bump up against i do think like having talking about you know uh, Monster Hunter World being the best entry point. Once you play Dragon Quest XI, you are now equipped to check out the rest of the series in the way that playing Persona 5 is the entry point to check out 3 and 4. And all those older games are doing something really miraculous. And, I, and now I'm seeing that in Dragon Quest, they all have their own ambitions and something to offer. And 5 is like such a magical experience already seven hours in. And I love that it just gets there. There's something about 1992 RPGs. Final <laughs> Fantasy IV is similar. They just fucking do it, you know? Yeah. Like they just, the pacing of those games, I think is a little bit better than like love Persona 5, but you can cut to the chase 30 hours earlier than you do in that game. And very different vibes, but like, I like that they don't feel the need to stay in a moment for too long. You know, it's yeah. like, we just get in, get out, you know, and, and it's, it's a really great experience. Yeah. I, I was, I was going to make the monster hunter comparison also. I, I think it's a, 
it's one of the reasons we wanted to talk about Monster Hunter Rise alongside Dragon Quest. Yeah. But there, there's a there, there's something really interesting about the Monster Hunter franchise, as we mentioned, in that mechanically it feels very similar. You know, you could you could take the the weapon that you have decided is your main weapon uh, from game to game and like have a pretty good experience. Like I've been playing the longsword in all of the Monster Hunter games. The same is very much true of Dragon Quest. And it's one of yeah. the brilliant things about the fact that the combat has really never changed throughout the years is that it that is going to feel exactly the same and what you're experiencing is just a new world and new characters and new people to like fall in love with and endear yourself to and that that is like really thrilling is like to pick this up and know what the vibe is going to be and know mechanically I don't have to learn anything I can just kind of fall into it almost like I'm picking up a new season of a TV show that I really like um, yeah. is really 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 wonderful so I guess I, I guess that's a good segue into eight which I, I think like weirdly enough I have a really similar uh takeaway from which is like you can tell where the game had or where the franchise has decided to sand off some of the rougher edges for 11 and and i think just like you walked away uh, or are walking away from five saying 11 is definitely the entry point i'm walking away from eight also thinking 11 is definitely the entry point especially given my time in the other games because 11 is less about you needing to prove your worth in combat and things like that and more about just getting you involved in the story so in in your uh experience of playing five you've been mentioning that like every once in a while one of your nightly sessions will literally just be like grinding and preparing for the thing you're going to do the next day that is also true in eight that is never true in 11 in 11 every session that you play is literally a little chapter in a story like every half hour to an hour that you play is like one complete little mini arc that's part of a larger arc that's part of a larger act of the game and and in eight i found myself in some sessions sitting down and saying like all right i'm gonna to put on you know a show that i don't care about in the background and i'm just gonna go fight monsters for an hour and i'm gonna have a great fucking time doing it because yeah. the battle is so fun or the battle system is so fun at all times um and and the characters in eight are already hilarious but that is a thing that i'm doing in eight that i didn't have to do in 11 and i understand now why people have said i or i've seen over the years people have said like oh i can't really get into dragon quest because like it's a game where you have to grind a lot so franchise where you have to like spend a lot of time grinding i i understand where that comes from now and if you're a person who has heard that in the past and didn't check out 11 because of that that is not true in 11 is very much true of what it seems like every game prior to that um but there's a joy in that experience in sitting down with a plan for a half an hour to an hour before you go to bed and saying like okay this is this is all i'm gonna do and i'm gonna have a good time doing it and like maybe i'll stumble upon a side quest and that, that just happened to me last night where i like i set out to go do a bunch of grinding because there's a boss that I just got completely destroyed by like early but like literally the first main quest of the game they're like <laughs> hey uh, I need you to go into this cave and like go get this crystal ball back I was like oh, okay sure that sounds great uh, easy enough you know I'm I'm literally level one like how hard can this be and got rocked immediately by this thing just got completely destroyed so you know last night I was like all right well I'm just gonna spend some time grinding and that'll be fine like whatever I'm just gonna like watch some YouTube videos uh, and, and I'm going to grind some levels out and i sat down i was having a really good time and ended up like coming across a, a, a hut on top of a waterfall and like talked to a guy in there who was like hey i left this thing over here can you go get this for me he's like sure yeah whatever fuck fuck it what else am i doing yeah. and i just it's went a filler and, episode yeah. yeah i went and did it was a bottle absolutely it was a bottle episode i just went and like got this stuff and did the side quest and got a reward and learned a new mechanic in the game didn't know that the protagonist has a mouse in his pocket who can help you in combat if you feed it cheese <laughs> fucking great like all things that you learn just because you sit down to grind and you just like let the world wash over you um what i will say about eight just like 
on a high level because I haven't talked literally at all about what the game is. Um, it is exactly like Eleven. Like it is a full 3D open world just shrunk yeah. down to your 3DS screen. Like it, I didn't even know that the 3DS was capable of having a game like this run on it because it it feels. I've looked at some comparisons between the PS2 version. This originally came out on PS2 between the PS2 version and the 3DS version. Like really, not a whole lot of discernible difference outside of the fact that it's like on your 3DS screen, so the resolution is lower. You know, so like some of the textures are less uh, vibrant, I guess, in some instances. Um, but the game looks fucking awesome for a 3DS. And honestly, it has just endeared. Every time we do this, every time we pick up a 3DS game, we both have this moment. The 3DS is amazing. What it's an so incredible yeah. device. Uh, the, I, I have the new 3DS, so I have like the, the C-Stick nub thing on there, which you can use to control the camera, but there are no ways to uh, invert the camera controls on the c-stick so it just sucks and i don't use it um <laughs> if you don't if you don't have the new 3ds and you're playing this game um you have to use the l and r buttons mm. to uh, to move the camera and honestly it feels really good in this game in a way that yeah. i wasn't expecting so i i have found myself like kind of getting over that hump of like oh man maybe this is a game they shouldn't have put on the 3ds to like i'm having a great time i open this up and play it the same way i did with 11 and and uh i'm enjoying myself a lot i mean there's not really a whole lot going on story-wise at the moment i'm like still i'm in the first three hours and like an hour of that has been grinding and two hours of that have been like intro story stuff so i haven't even seen like what the main plot is really but this game is just as charming as five and just as charming as nine and eleven are and like just are wonderful they're just all wonderful games and you're so right when you say that playing 11 primes you to play any of the other ones you can just go online and google like what dragon quest game should i play next and like there are a lot of opinions out there and it seems like if you liked 11 a lot and you want a story like that and a vibe like that and a world like that eight is probably your next go-to pick if you want literally the best story in the whole franchise you go to five and if you want the most interesting one mechanically you go to four outside of that it's like pick your poison um, yeah. which is so cool to just know that like once you have learned just like in Monster Hunter you learn a weapon and then you can go play yes. any Monster Hunter game once yes. you've once you've learned how to play Dragon Quest at all you can go to any other Dragon Quest game and have an extremely good time and that's that's yeah. so nice to know that that is all just sitting there waiting for me to like uh, ingest at my leisure yeah I feel the same way and I, I definitely want to do like kind of one at a time because I want to give it like my proper attention but I think like the one difference the, the one key difference and how battles work other than you know the monster taming and stuff in 11 when it's a character's turn and you tell them to do something they do that right away like it's their turn and they will do the action in yeah. five it's like you get you know the first person view which i actually really like there are some really fun it reminds me a lot of like playing fire emblem three houses and then playing uh the first fire emblem on game boy advance the blazing blade mm -hmm. and like just being blown away by that pixel art and those animations like still yeah. like they utilize the limitations of that hardware to make an art style that is still sought to be replicated. Like, just incredible. Like, I know a lot of people who still prefer that to how Fire Emblem looks now, which I actually understand. Mm. Either way, uh, I mean, I, I like I like both presentations, but I feel similarly to how Dragon Quest V looks, where, like, you've got the classic SNES sprites, and the way battles are, like... I'm surprised at how nice the animations of the creatures like jumping at the screen are. You know, it's still yeah. 
as like uh, teeth it's worth clenched. keeping in mind that this is the this is the the ds remake of five you know so yes. like you know the uh, the the 3d environments were not available on on the super nintendo you know the ability to like shift the camera and stuff on, yeah on yeah but, but even still i mean i think it's still like a really like even on the ds it's a more limited presentation than yeah. the xbox series s and yeah. i i like you know it kind of goes back to filling in the gaps where it's like dragon quest 11 looks like you're imagining it looks based on this presentation but in the battles like you you get that first person view and you give everyone their orders and then it all plays out so it's like you give everyone what they should be doing and then the turn order plays out which can be tricky because it's like okay maybe i told this enemy to use a spell but that enemy actually got killed before and now they're using the spell on a different enemy so like there's some stuff like that, but it's largely the same. And I think it definitely like your experience with 11 will definitely translate to playing five. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Every once in a while, you're just going to run into some mechanics that are like, oh, I don't I don't know how this works. And then you just try it like in eight. I didn't realize this, but there's an intimidate button in combat. Ooh, that's fun. Which is fun. Yeah, it's great. It's all about pirates, right? They look like kind of piratey. As far as I can tell, I mean, right now they just seem to be hired like bodyguard mercenaries. Um, gotcha. Which is interesting. And I imagine eventually I'll take to see and, and go experience some stuff. But uh, yeah. Oh, one of the interesting things about eight that I find very interesting compared to 11 is that because eight is like, I, I would say, um, less graphically rich than 11 is. The Akira Toriyama art looks more like an anime like it looks mm. more like dragon ball because it's a little bit flatter um yeah. a lot of the expressions are like are more exaggerated in a way that they're not in 11 because everything is so smooth in 11 it's it's more of like an adaptation of toriyama art instead of like just this is the art um yeah and eight strikes a really nice balance i think between between what you're experiencing in five and what we played in 11 eight is like this weird nice middle ground where it actually just looks like you're playing an akira toriyama drawing uh it's really awesome. really nice um the the thing about the open world in eight too is like it it is definitely more sparse than it is in 11 you know as you would expect because it's on a 3ds but it is still like pretty rich and i didn't even realize this but it's it's full of monsters on the overworld still in eight which i yeah. i didn't think was going to be the case in eight i thought that it would still be random battles but you can see them in the overworld and you can avoid them i thought that that was a thing that was like new to the franchise but seems like that's been around for a while which is cool it's also in chrono trigger surprisingly enough yeah. you can see the enemies i mean that is not the case in five and that might be a point of tension uh for newer players we're like the random encounter rate is very high. You yes, will be in really is. a lot, which like is fun because, you know, that's part of the experience. But I can see that being annoying and it does annoy me every now and then. But I also, you know, I'm enjoying everything else so much that I'm not like I'm not, you know, bummed out by that. You can also buy an item that like limits that. So there's like another mm-hmm. element of like, how am I preparing for tonight's adventure? You know, do yeah. I want to just roam around with my wagon and see who wants to join my team? Uh, <laughs> the monster taming stuff is like so like that coupled with like your family fighting alongside you is like so that was enough to make me play five first in my like you know second Mm -hmm. dragon quest game yeah Um, i do really want to play eight i think i'll probably wait until i'm done with five but i i'm so excited to play eight because i just love the look of the cast and like i don't hear it as narratively rich as maybe 11 or five but it's just such a fun adventure that i'm like really excited for that kind of energy like just sort of a more lighthearted, you know adventure yeah it definitely feels that way so far um but you know as as you mentioned with five who knows maybe at some point it could get really dark um But uh, at the moment, it's just 
kind of a joy and exactly i mean we didn't talk about any of the stuff that happened this week but like some horrible shit happened in the united states this week and like dragon quest 8 has been so helpful yeah. for me there's a reason i finished 11 in a y- day yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah whenever whenever i like need to pull myself away from the news i've been playing dragon quest 8 and 11 um and they've been really great They've been very helpful. So, yeah, I mean, uh, look, hey, if you're a person who's getting into Dragon Quest alongside us, um, you can't go wrong with either of those games. Um, I What I would recommend is not getting eight on your phone. I've heard that I've heard that the version of eight that exists for iOS and Android is like not great. But from what I understand, uh, one through I think six are like really great on, yeah. on mobile. Yeah, I, I'm really in, as someone who doesn't like I play a decent amount on mobile, but like I haven't played a lot of ports on mobile. And like the only thing is that you have that sort of rotating camera that you could use with the shoulder buttons to have that on the screen is a little bit less intuitive. And like yeah. there are times where you have to rotate the camera to like see where a ladder is or a door or mm-hmm. something. So like I often will forget that that's even a choice and then, you know, stumble into it. Yeah, but, I, I find that the controls on mobile, at least for me, are a little bit too slidey at times. Yeah. Um, I, I press the wrong direction pretty frequently when I'm playing on mobile, uh, but I think that might just be a thing that the more I play, the less I'll do that. But you know what it's great for is like inventory management and battles is like so nice. Just oh, like yeah. push a button and like, you know, and, and the font, like everything about the font and the sprites is like from the DS game. So it like looks mm-hmm. great still. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think if you can get the DS version, that's also good. But yeah, $10 on your phone. Like I am always kind of hesitant to check out square ports on mobile. It's a great, it's a great port. Um, yeah. yeah, I, I, I will definitely, I would love to revisit a, once I'm there uh, but I I'm just like so pumped to be a giant Dragon Quest fan suddenly because mm-hmm. I, I feel like I'm going through what you did when you discovered you actually liked Final Fantasy and RPGs and stuff but like <laughs> this is like the one like this is like the series that I somehow missed and I'm not alone because like we said last time this is much bigger in Japan than it is here um, and I think Probably because there hasn't been an entry point until now. You know, there hasn't been like a very clear, like, here's the one, unless you grew up with this, here's the game that will get you like familiar with the mechanics. Yeah. So it was harder to get into. Yeah. 11 is an obvious entry point for everyone. Yeah. So I'm hoping that the success of 11 and, you know, uh, I, I I just hope that this leads to seeing more Dragon Quest in the U.S. You know, mm-hmm. like I think does that mean a localized version of ten? Does that mean you know? Yeah. Did we talk about that on or off the air? The the ten localization concept. I think it might have been off the air. But yeah. what were you going to say? Just, just to recap, I wonder if Dragon Quest Eleven S Definitive Edition uh, coming to coming to Xbox uh, and being on Game Pass immediately kind of uh, points to a potential conversation between Square and Microsoft. About about getting more Dragon Quest games available on Xbox hardware. And on top of that, given what uh, Phil Spencer like kind of like um, pushed forward in terms of getting Fantasy Star Online localized and released in the West uh, and on Xbox, I, I'm hoping that Dragon Quest X is potentially maybe going to get released in the West. Um for Xbox, I would love that so much. Um, yeah, that but apparently that's a thing that people have literally been asking for since it released on the Nintendo Wii. So like, <laughs> it's like a Mother Three scenario. It, yeah. No, for real, it seems like yeah. it is. Like it seems like people have wanted this for so long, and like there's just no way that it's going to happen. But I, I wonder, I wonder about the release of of Dragon Quest Eleven on Xbox uh, and Game Pass simultaneously. It just, it just feels to me like a, a nice, like fertile ground to plant some seeds in. You know? <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Um, to at least allow for Dragon Quest 12 to come out on Xbox. Right. You know, I was going to say 12 is in the works, right? Like, do we know anything about it or just that, that they're working? Yeah, on Yeah. All, the, all they announced, I think, was at the end of 2019, because a lot a lot of uh, Square Enix developers and, and game designers um, will like write up a little thing that's like, you know, goodbye to this year. Here's what we have planned for next year. You know, just like real loose shit. And uh, Yuji Hori was talking about how they're working on Dragon Quest 12 already in 2019. So, yeah. So we'll see. Yeah. That's that's really exciting. I, I mean, there's so much. That's fine because in the meantime, I will play all the other ones. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. I think on my list is like I think I can probably get through five like by the end of the month. Not not to rush it, but like because it's a shorter game, like yeah. I feel like I can. It's manageable. And then I want to play eight and three. And three seems to be like the kind of you know quintessential retro one. Yeah. Honestly, I think next for me after eight is uh, Dragon Quest Builders two. Ooh yes. Oh yeah, people. I tweeted out, and people have been talking on the Discord because, like, I, I think people seem to be really happy we're talking about Dragon Quest, which I'm grateful for because we're not going to stop. Yeah. <laughs> Either way, people would be like, "I hated that episode." I'm like, "Sorry, I guess we suck now." But this is what we're going to talk about. <laughs> but, <laughs> but a lot of people. Were I, yeah, I really thought we were going to release that episode to crickets. It was really nice to get like any positive feedback at all. Yeah, for real. Well, because I think it's like it's kind of ironic that this is like you know the JRPG series, but it, there's not as much love for it like everywhere, you know, in the yeah. US at least. Right. But anyway, um, I think that people were recommending the Builder series, and also a lot of people were talking about the Monster series, which was actually secretly my first Dragon Quest game, but it was Dragon Warrior Monsters, and it was like basically the taming from five but like as its own game mm. you know and that was a really fun time it was a really good game and i'm getting like yeah. flashbacks of that playing five mm. so yeah it's good it's a good time drag dragon quest one through 11 are available on multiple platforms and you can download them and play them yeah i'll let you know how three is on switch i feel like switch was probably a pretty good place to play a lot of them how many are on switch just actually, one two we... three and eleven and i guess the builders games that makes sense cool um, i could have sworn i saw four but maybe that was a dream i had i want more uh, of them on switch and i think uh so speaking of the like uh square enix developer sign-offs I, if i'm not mistaken at the end of 2020 the dragon quest sign-off was essentially like hey next year is a big anniversary year for dragon quest so just like stay tuned for cool shit oh my god which yes. we also got from atlas when they did their yearly sign-off as well oh about the persona god. franchise um a big year but you know as, <laughs> as i think we were talking about off air uh who was it Ko- uh, kojima productions also said the same thing they were like hey we've been a studio for five years stay tuned for this incredible live stream where we're gonna announce some cool stuff and then it ended up being a computer desktop wallpaper so like <laughs> who, who always always prepare from toad for mario and smash levels of excitement <laughs> as you would say yeah i that's yeah, my my expectations are real low, but um, that doesn't mean I can't be slightly excited about what's possible. Yeah, I'll take whatever, man. I'm like so. I'm. It's nice to find a new series that I follow this in love with, because like a lot of the games, you know, a lot of well, there are a lot of games that come out of nowhere that are like you know new favorites of ours. But like to find a new series is exhilarating with this you know? many entries and like yeah. to know that they're all this high quality. Yeah, they're all like there's like one or two that are like good, not great. It's like oh my god. I I am going to play. I would love to just to do a Dragon Quest-a-thon and just do all of it in some yeah. weird, you know, <laughs> day-long fest. Yeah. Ugh. I love this series, man. Thank you for uh, for encouraging me to give Eleven another shot. And now here I am, you know, into young adulthood and five, taming <laughs> slimes, dreaming about slimes. It's yeah. a great time. Uh, yeah, these games are so good. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm actually just excited to go play more today. 
Yeah, I might start eight because I'm like so like excited to play eight. Dude, um, yeah, you should. I mean, I uh, the listeners can't see it, but I'm pointing. Even I've been I've been hanging out on this this new big futon we got in my office uh, and just playing eight, and it's like so nice to just curl up with the 3ds and and play play it. Some there's something about the 3ds man that it's like so feels chill. It feels more intimate and more chill than the Switch at, at all points. And I, I've I've talked a lot on this podcast about how the Switch I think is still too big. Right. Yeah. That's why I like the Switch Lite so much and I just like am bummed that the Switch Lite doesn't have the ability to dock. Yeah. Uh, the, the best before bed system is the 3ds by far. Yeah. Like it's so nice. Yeah. And and that's actually a thing that you and I were talking about with 5 off air also because I was talking about why I kind of bounced off of 5 and started a and I'll probably go back and continue playing five, but I, I think I want to get it on like a console or something. But anyway, five being on my phone, I actually don't know if that's as good of a like before bed console for me um, as mm. much as I like just having my phone like available to do other stuff while I'm playing a game uh, and, and, and the 3DS being like a dedicated thing that's about the size of my phone that I'm holding right up to my face. And I'm like in this little tiny cute world uh, is is really really wonderful it's what kind I do of why I put, yeah sorry go ahead oh, I, said, I put my phone on airplane mode and just like it becomes dragon quest 5 for a bit you know wow, that's really nice actually but i see the idea of like oh i'm so distracted by like twitter and text our group thread was like going off when i was like in a very emotional moment in five and i was like shut the fuck up and I put it in airplane <laughs> mode. <laughs> uh, but yeah i can see that but it, it, in terms of the port itself it's it's a great time but what were you gonna say um i don't remember i just like the 3ds it's good it's a, it's a good concept <laughs> <laughs> it's i feel like so many people sold theirs too it's like my constant bummer is like hey uh psa keep your 3ds it's worth having because there are so many great ports too like it's really like in talks of backwards compatibility and how bad nintendo is at it like the 3ds is like the last straw like just hanging on by a thread mm. to have access to like you know there's so many great ds ports of older games that you can play in the 3ds and not to mention the store where you can get like Pokemon Crystal for $10, which is what we did our bonus episode on yeah. uh, last summer. Which what like, an amazing way to play that game, too. An incredible experience. Yeah. It's, so it's just it's just great. It's a good time. Oh, man. I didn't even talk about like there's some there's some 3DS specific stuff on Dragon Quest eight. That is also really wonderful. Like, for example, uh, there are blue chests hidden around the world that, um, you know, have certain things in them that uh, every night at midnight real time, like based on your 3DS's internal clock they'll refill with new stuff oh um, that's fun so like you can go if you like keep track keep a mental note of where all the blue chests are you can go like get the thing from them every day which is really cool and apparently there was a bunch of like street pass stuff which like you can't do anymore which is a huge yeah, bummer that's always a bummer it's like yeah the street pass features are like okay this is zoom adjacent in terms of me yeah. having the ability to do oh, this i loved street pass so much Ugh, yeah man this is one of those situations where i really wish we were doing this podcast during the 3ds era uh dude I mean, that's when we were writing for that website. I yeah. was like a 3DS only dude. Yeah. Everyone else was like, have you played Bioshock Infinite? And I was like, no, I've been playing Fire Emblem Awakening <laughs> and Pokemon Fire Red. Yeah. Eat my shorts. <laughs> anyway. I'm, I'm excited for you to pick up the 3DS and then next week also gush at me about how good the 3DS is. <laughs> yeah, this, this season or... The latter half of season three is a time loop where we just talk about the 3DS and Dragon <laughs> Quest. That's, a, that, that's, the, that's the subtitle for season three is season yeah. 3DS. Back to the past. Um, yeah. But anyway, Jack. I'm really excited for our bonus about 11. Um, I hope you will all enjoy it. And I think it's probably a good time to wrap up, right? Unless you have anything else to say about 8 or, or anything. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I have nothing else, I think. Um, 
I guess I guess it is time to wrap up. Oh wait, there, I guess there was some other stuff. I I forgot there there were I asked just like on a whim. I just asked the Discord like right before we started recording today if anybody had any things that they wanted us to talk about. Um, just, so just very quickly, I guess going through some of this stuff. Uh, there's there's a picture. Uh, that Scout posted. Uh, thank you, Scout, for posting this in the Discord of uh, Jessica Jones, who is labeled as a Dark Souls 2 fan, um, getting stared down by David Tennant, uh, the man in purple from Jessica Jones, uh, who is labeled as Demon Souls fans, Bloodborne fans, Demon Souls 1 fans, or sorry, Dark Souls 1 fans, Dark Souls 3 fans, which, yeah, that's that's me. Uh, I'm, I am the Dark Souls 2 <laughs> fan getting stared down. I will say, though, I, I went back um, for those of you who were watching those streams where I went back and played every Dark Souls game. I didn't really like talk about this. I guess I did a lot. And actually, now that I'm saying that out loud. But anyway, um, <laughs> but anyway, I went, I went and played like every FromSoft game and uh, Dark Souls 2, the Scholar of the First Sin edition. That's not as good as the original Dark Souls 2. And it's a bummer that I can't go play the original Dark Souls 2 anymore. Like that's just gone now you know they they went in because people were like disappointed with dark souls 2 and then like went and added more enemies to it and stuff like that to make it like as difficult as the other dark souls games and i think just like went way overboard it's just not as fun um yeah it's a bummer yeah so that's interesting um scout also asked for a dicey dungeons update i played a little bit uh, honestly i just got so sucked into dragon quest that i like yeah, put dicey too. dungeons down i'll get back to it but like man have i only been playing dragon quest yeah i i mean our our love for dicey dungeons is very loud and clear i think yeah we both just got like sucked into a slime wormhole and yeah. have now been playing only dragon quest but yeah i mean i'll definitely i mean i don't know if we'll talk about it again because i think we've covered like the mechanics but i think like i've already touched on some of the like next stage dungeons and that game like really it ramps up like adding heat and hades it's like that times a hundred like i can't even imagine what like a six level dungeon is like in that game yeah it's (laughs) it is just in case you missed that episode dicey dungeons on switch a a must i think if you like roguelikes totally it is a must it is so much fun yeah i do i do definitely uh i i feel like i almost got like punished cosmically and i'm eating my words because i came on that episode i was like i haven't lost yet in dicey dungeons i am so yeah. good at this game and then immediately got rocked like i just get thrashed <laughs> every time i play this game now on I, any higher difficulty in that episode we talked about um a lot of roguelikes we talked about monster train and dicey dungeons in terms of like kind of slay the spire inspired uh games yeah and a lot of positive feedback. Thank you for that, uh, for those who liked that episode. But a lot of people picked up both those games, friends of mine and people in the Discord, and it seems like one or the other like really works for people, which mm-hmm. is fun. You know, yeah. I know some people who are like, thanks to you, I stayed up until six playing Monster Train. Like, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, or, you know. Dyson. Which is getting so, like, a bunch of DLC, I think, this week. Uh, oh, on awesome. the PC version specifically. I don't think it's on yeah. Xbox yet, but. Uh, but um, yeah. I think Dicey Dungeons has become like, Hades, I do want to, like, I put in a lot of time with Hades as evidenced by our last show uh <laughs> but i also i haven't gotten the like epilogue yet and i want to like max out relationships and stuff but i think my 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 motivation for playing more of hades is just kind of seeing the rest of the narrative there yeah i think my new like roguelike that i'll play just to sort of like have that i'm playing this while maybe unwinding or watching something will be dicey dungeons that's yeah. going to be like my new totally my new one monster train is great but i think not being on handheld is like a little bit of a bummer about it but like it'll come to switch eventually and as soon as that yeah. does like we're fucked yeah um and, <laughs> and uh, what's the other unlock- one? Oh, Grifflands. Grifflands is also Grifflands, uh, i think yeah. confirmed to be coming to switch eventually so like cool 
in Monster Train, I unlocked a faction of of hell spawn that are literally the like dust mites from Spirited Away, led mm-hmm. by a xenomorph. Which I'm like, this is a great group of creatures. Oh my god, uh, horrifying. So yeah, so that was cool. I have one more faction to unlock. But anyway, uh, Dice Dungeons, incredible game, still like one of the favorites of the show. Uh, and I will give you an update once I have more to say. Yeah. Um, did you unlock the last character yet? Not yet. No, okay. I, I've been trying to do. Um, I still haven't beat. I, do you get them by beating episode one with each character? No. Uh, well, that's what I've been trying to do. I've, I've beaten the first chapter with everyone except the inventor and the witch. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to do that currently. Okay. Okay. The way the way <laughs> you unlock the last character is is interesting. It'll just happen the more you play, though. Cool. 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 You'll you'll just run into it. Although maybe there might be a wins like you you maybe do have to do the first chapter with everybody and then do this thing. I'm not really sure. Um, but yeah. I think I think you'll just unlock them by continuing to play sounds good um more stuff from the discord real quick oh uh, i'm sorry what real quick about dice of dungeons soundtracks on spotify i've listened to that nonstop. oh shit is it yeah it's on spotify oh my god is, how have i not looked at that it is one of uh one of my favorite game soundtracks i think it's incredible yeah, it's unbelievable yeah. um this is from matt in the discord how do you feel about the term amiibo gazebo <laughs> I love it. I think it's great. Yeah. Uh, I never used it. That, that's a, a, a part of Garrick Mach in uh, Final Fan- Final. F- Thank you for having me on Into the Aether. I have to legally resign as a host. <laughs> um, it was really fun doing the show with you, Brendan. My time here is up. I actually, I see my hand is kind of semi-transparent suddenly. I think I'm fading away. Yeah. Well, I, I'm so thrilled then to announce that, uh, you know, we, we have a bunch of hosts just like waiting in the wings for when one of us fucks up on this level. So yeah, yeah. coming up next is Charles Martinet doing his Wario impression uh, to <laughs> take your spot. Is it an impression if he's the one who does the voice? I guess not. Anyway, I can't wait to hear what he has to say about Dragon Quest VIII. <laughs> Remember me by the Amiibo Gazebo. <laughs> I turn into an Amiibo. Um, yeah, it's a fun place. I, I didn't. I only have a few Amiibos. Have yeah. we ever talked about this? I don't know. I don't know I've if we ever my, talked about Amiibos. My favorite Amiibo is Wedding Bowser. He's got the mm. white top hat and everything. Yeah. I've got Luigi, Captain Falcon, Inkling, Wedding Bowser, and Mewtwo. Wow, that's a fun collection. It is. I feel good. I feel like that's a good amount. Like I, I've only I only purchased Wedding Bowser for myself. The rest have been gifts, and I love all of them. Yeah, I have a uh, I I have uh, Link, Ganondorf, uh, Waluigi, obviously. Um, yeah. And uh, oh shit, I have oh I have Wolf Link from the Twilight Princess re-release Ooh, on Wii that's U. A good one. It just came with the game when you got it. Yeah. Uh, which is pretty cool. Um. Oh, I also have Ridley, which is a very funny one. I got that one as a gift from. <laughs> someone at work uh so for fun. like a, a gift exchange which was very They're silly i was like I, I never would have bought this for myself but it's very funny to have the ridley amiibo so i, I was very excited to get it yeah i got you tom nook too i think I oh you, you did get me tom nook well. who's right behind yeah. me there he is again tom. that's just for steven he can see hi tom so that's um, what i think about amiibo gazebo yeah uh i also i also didn't use it i don't i don't know what what is it what did that even do what did you get stuff i think if you scan amiibo's items pop up in the gazebo and if you scan fire emblem character amiibos you get like really cool stuff but oh so you could scan not so like i could scan waluigi in fire emblem three houses and yeah. get something and then he shows up and you have a c-rank scene where he's like i'm so tired of carrying boxes <laughs> <laughs> hey waluigi can you help me with something please sure thing hilda <laughs> this is so bad oh 
doesn't even sound like Waluigi. No, it doesn't. I don't yeah. know what that sounds Hi, like. Hi, I'm Waluigi in Fire Emblem. <laughs> I love Marianne, but she doesn't even think about me. <laughs> he's an Ashen Wolf for sure. Yeah, yeah, he's already got the colors on. Yeah, he's the wolf they forgot about. Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, the he's the Ashen wolf. wolf of the Ashen Wolves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have to go to like the privy portion of the abyss and he's like ah who's there yeah it's me waluigi and fire <laughs> there have been like three or four times in this episode alone where you've said things and i'm like that's definitely gonna be the episode title <laughs> something about waluigi and fire emblem is really doing it for me this time <laughs> It just has nothing to do with anything else in this episode. <laughs> oh, know. hey, Annette. Did you know Gilbert's your dad? You know bye what, bye. though? This would, this would have more... Con- if we said that the title of this episode is Waluigi and Fire Emblem, that would be more contextual and make more sense than the uh, Kal-El's Big Move episode, <laughs> which, like, Stephen and I have privately been on and off wondering why nobody noticed that we never said that in the episode. <laughs> yeah, no one even asked. They're like, yeah, this is cool. Cool cover. It was a it was a joke one of us made off the show, and then you just decided to make it the episode art, uh, and no one even wondered why. Which yeah. just shows like how nonsensical it is always. It doesn't even matter. Yeah, I mean we're we're one of many video game podcasts on the internet just turning an inside joke from an episode into into the episode title. But uh, I, I I loved that one in particular for having no context in the actual episode itself. <laughs> really fun. That's a good one. Anyway, uh, what's the next question in the Discord? Um, that that actually is all the questions uh, outside of one that is about another thing that I'm doing, which I'm I'm gonna talk about very briefly. Yes. I don't, I don't feel the need to really like go all in on this, but it is worth mentioning that uh, I, there, I started a new show. Um, I, I alluded yeah. in the, in, at the end of last week um, to the idea that in 2021, uh, our, our network, The Worst Garbage Online, um, was going to have more shows on it. We uh, brought on Eleven Again, which is a wonderful show. Um, you should go check out Eleven Again online about about things we loved as kids. Steve and I both did episodes for that. We're working on some other stuff. Um, for those of you who came from No Script at All, which was a Terrace House podcast, Andrea and I are talking about doing some other stuff, uh, which is in the works, which I'm excited about. And uh, another show that I've been wanting to do for a really long time is kind of related to this show. I, I mentioned specifically, I think at one point or another, that we were talking about spinoffs for this podcast, which is like kind of a goofy way to talk about it, but just in yeah. terms of like being about video games, at least. Right. Um, and one of the things that you and I talked about a whole bunch was like, is there a way to incorporate a, a video game news element into this podcast and not have it like throw off the balance of it being a quote unquote low key video games podcast? And and at the end of all the conversations, conversations the answer kind of ended up just being like not not really <laughs> like yeah i think what we do is like we will talk about like a direct if we are excited about it and yes. like a demo or or you know we follow the entire our our season two is just a hype trail for pokemon sword and shield basically right. like we were just like unearthing the mysteries left by that pokemon twitter account that yeah. was so fun yeah but yeah we are not nor will we ever be like beholden to just like what's going on because that's like right. not really what the show is about right and and i don't think we ever want it to turn into that 
uh and, and yeah. there have been many times where like there has been uh actually as recently as this past summer there was like an xbox event that you and i didn't even talk about because we were like yeah. we want we were we watched it and like had it on the agenda for the next episode uh we were like oh cool like this will be great because usually when there's an event like that we're like cool so we can kind of take it easy on playing stuff you know yes. and, and like I was gonna say, yeah. we, we can fill that gap in with like an event if we're excited about it and then i remember the xbox event came and went and like you didn't even watch it i think and and i i <laughs> watched it live and i was like oh boy <laughs> i don't think yeah. there's a morsel of a segment not even a, not even a break in here you know um yeah. so uh we, we just moved on from that so anyway point being i i've been looking for a way to talk about video game news for a while and wanted it to uh happen in in the realm of this show for a while and then we just kind of realized that that wasn't really the the place for it um dabbled with potentially doing it on our medium page um, and and doing some writing and stuff like that talked about maybe releasing it as like a separate episode on this feed that comes out like on an off day so like if this show comes out on Wednesdays um, which it normally does then we would have a news segment go out over the weekend or something like that but eventually just the more we talked about it the more it seemed obvious that like this should just happen as like a separate thing on the network uh, so yeah. that is uh, what turned into good morning video games which is a show that uh, as of I mean if you're listening to this episode of the podcast and it's already out. It's been out for three days uh, at this point. Um, so essentially the, the idea is every morning um, I'm going to wake up and make a cup of coffee and then I'm going to sit down uh, in front of a camera and I'm going to try and talk about the most interesting video game news that I had read about recently. And episodes could be anywhere from like one minute long to however long it takes to talk about the thing that I'm talking about that day. But the idea is just essentially like if you don't want to, uh, you know, I think dunk yourself into the ocean of, of video game news on the Internet, um, I can do that for you. Uh, and I can just provide you with something. But it, it allows for, um, I, I think, a cool, like, easy outlet um, that doesn't require us to, like, kind of, um, I, I would say, like, shift the priorities of Into the Aether at all, you know, by having yeah. it be a separate thing. So the the weird twist on this is that it was initially conceived of as a podcast because for a very long time, I had a podcast that I used to do that was called The Internet Today. And, and that was for a company that I used to work for where literally every day, every day, it was actually daily, not not just on weekdays. Um, I would I would talk about like just the most interesting stuff I saw on the Internet as a whole every single day. And that show was hard to produce, but I sure did it every day for a long time. Um, and I've actually wanted to do it again for a really long time i've wanted to do something like that but specifically geared towards video games so uh this this is what that is so uh, as i was saying the weird twist on this is that it's a video show and it's not a podcast so this is available on youtube there's currently no like youtube link for it because it just launched so like i don't have enough subscribers to even grab a, <laughs> a cool like youtube url yet um but if you go to gmvg good morning video games dot online gmvg.online you can find the you can find the uh the link there and you can subscribe to that so that should be out and we'll see how it goes. Um, I am not a person who produces a whole lot of video. I'm not a person who speaks on camera a whole lot. Uh, so this is going to be this is gonna be a fun experience. We'll see how it goes. Um, I could see a world in which eventually it does become a podcast. Uh, if, if producing videos gets a little a little rowdy for my taste. I'm really excited for you because this is like something you're so genuinely interested in. You know, like being friends with you is literally like having a very positive news outlet because you'll just send me stuff that you know I like. It's like you're... <laughs> 
You're like a non-malicious targeted ad. You're like, hey, you like this here. This is weirdly enough, Stephen. That's kind of been my vibe for like ever since like high school. Like I even (laughs) even in like my group of friends who I've been friends with like forever. They've always known me as like the person who's just extremely logged on and will just like send them things that that I know (laughs) they'll be into. It's a good thing. You know, it's it's like you're so genuinely fascinated by like the next step that it's infectious and it's it's honestly doing the show with you has made me way less of a person who is sort of comfortable sitting in the past of video games and like way more excited about what's coming out next so yeah. i thank you for that and i hope i'm sure this show is going to have a very similar positive uh, atmosphere and, and effect on people who watch it yeah i hope so i think it'll be uh, i think it'll be fun um yeah. you know it, it is it is daily which is going to be uh i think kind of difficult to do um especially considering i'm doing it all before i start an actual work day uh, you yeah. know, at my like nine to five job. So like the idea of like producing a piece of content and releasing it before 9 a.m. every morning is going to be like definitely hard to do, but not so different from what I was already doing, which was streaming on the Into the Aether Twitch channel every morning, which is where the question came up to loop it all back around to um, yeah. Jason's question in the discord. Will good morning video games replace or be in addition to your morning streams? My whole intention behind doing those morning streams for a while was a, to just like kind of get a better idea of what a Twitch presence for into the aether would look like if it was more regular. And on top of that, just kind of get myself used to getting out of bed early enough to like make something and like do something that I thought was productive. And uh, having done that and like completed two full let's plays of video games and like checking out a bunch of other stuff on, the side i I did uh link's awakening and then hollow knight i i decided that i wanted to use that time to like make something new um and and you know in 2021 kind of like see what i can do and kind of put my money where my mouth is and try and make a video show so at the moment it is yeah it's 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 taking up that time um but that doesn't mean that we're gonna stop streaming at all like i just started a let's play of uh dragon quest 11 so for those of you who have been very into all of the dragon quest segments on the show recently you can go check that out that's on the into the aether youtube channel and i have no intention on stopping that it's just gonna be like with less frequency and we'll talk about it on Twitter and stuff before we go live. Yeah, I think I think the plan right now is that Brendan or I will be streaming at least once a week. So that's what you should expect. So I think like in short, you're going to end up getting both segments just at different times, basically, yeah. you know, like right. and it won't be daily. So like for me, I, I definitely want to do a f- few more uh, Lester Jr. and Skyrim streams. I've been playing as an Argonian who only punches and it's been fun. I want to find been so funny. <laughs> I'm glad They've you enjoyed been them. Such, I've been, I love those streams so much. I, I've started and stopped a lot of different playthroughs. Um, so I, I want to find some kind of narrative. And maybe maybe Lester will be something I just go back to whenever. That could also be possible. Yeah. But I want to see, you know, doing a few more if there's if there's an endpoint that we can discover for his adventure. But either way, I think whenever a video game gives us an option to play as a lizard who can punch, I will <laughs> seize that opportunity to continue <laughs> The Lester verse. Yeah. I do see so. a situation, honestly, I mean, um, I, I think you and I streamed Monster Hunter Rise the other day uh, with our friend Pablo, as we were mentioning. And I think um, that that was as much like a, hey, we should check out Monster Hunter Rise and play multiplayer experience as it was for me a see how easy it is to play a multiplayer game with a bunch of people and also stream it simultaneously test for me. Because um, yeah. I just I just recently like redid my whole like work from home setup and my streaming setup and all that kind of stuff. Um, and it was so easy and so seamless that I'm thinking like you and I could probably very easily start playing some stuff together on stream uh, more yeah. than we have been able to in the past, which I think is really exciting. I totally agree. I think Monster Hunter Rise is definitely going to be one that we play 
like yeah. pretty casually on stream. Totally. And that would be like, you know, I think uh, you, you have your your like playthroughs of Dragon Quest currently and I have Lester and I also want to start, once I get my new laptop in February or March, I have a few things I want to do on Twitch. So Right. Yeah, we're, we're taking this exact setup that I have and essentially just copy pasting it into Steven's apartment. Um, yeah. So he will have all the same capabilities that I have, which I think is going to be really exciting. So although although the morning streams are happening less and I guess there are technically less streams happening in general on the Into the Aether channel, it's kind of a break while we expect to gear up and do more stuff. Um, cause yeah. Every year we kind of want to do more stuff than we did the last year. Not so much more that we're like stressing ourselves out, but more, you know, in a way that I think is exciting and kind of charts a path that you and I feel comfortable about yeah i think for me the the biggest uh enjoyment in streaming this year was during halloween where i played like a scary game it was amazing week. that was so and, fun like, yeah i will definitely do that again like that alien isolation stream was so much fun yeah. so i will i will do that again in october and i'll probably return to my bloodborne playthrough as well i'd like to finish bloodborne on stream just like over time yeah. <laughs> like, maybe every october i do like continue friday blood and also do like a scary game on friday so mm-hmm. that might be like what I do every October that could be fun yeah uh, for spooky season yeah exciting stuff man I'm I'm really happy you took the leap with this show and I'm excited to see how it manifests yeah I, I sure did uh, make a trailer and post it live and uh, mentioned on the podcast so I, I really have to do it now <laughs> I, not, I don't want to do it anymore <laughs> uh, that's not you that's that's Waluigi as a baby in the Ashen Wolves <laughs> he doesn't want to hide from the rest of Garrick Mach anymore is that the, yeah. is that the I'm hungry <laughs> Well, my name is Brendan Bigley. You can find me. Oh, no, we have actually more stuff that we have to say. <laughs> you can't that just run. felt like such a good sign. I'm still hungry. <laughs> you have to what do it now. S- I'm not going to do it. <laughs> I was going to do it this week, but I, I after that, I feel like you you did all the reaping and now you have to do all the sowing. <laughs> gotta atone i've gotta confess my sins to save which i still can't get over that's the dragon quest thing yeah anyway it makes the same noise in all of them too that's really great it's like the same music what a fun heartfelt episode that i just like besmirched <laughs> with yelling. i'm still hungry it's gonna haunt me i really don't feel responsible for when those moments happen it's truly like i'm overtaken by something yeah i'll figure that out eventually but in the meantime I'd like to take this opportunity to thank you, dear listener, for listening to this episode. We keep saying this every week, but it keeps being true every week. We've gotten a lot of people uh, reaching out to us about how they discovered the show. Honestly, if you're a new listener and you join the Discord, you know, or, or whatever, you know, whatever you want to do, it is kind of helpful to see how you discovered the show. Not to be like data-y about it, but it is cool to hear. Like a lot of people were like, hey, I discovered this from listening to the 13 Sandals episode. Like it just, it's just nice to see like where you found us. It's, it's, um, yeah. it's just cool to know. And it also kind of helps us think about, um, you know, just like how the show can grow overall. Yeah. So when we send it back to our content marketing team, uh, <laughs> And, and they can they can have some like boardroom meetings over over that that data and analysis. Uh, we can then chart a chart a path for our next episode and figure we out. We can what fax to talk about it next. to Monsanto. They send us a few seeds that grow into slime lings. The slime lings need to be level five before they can learn oomph 
and then you got a really good support member of your party. They will ask to be fed. Don't feed them. It is a trap. You water them instead and smack them if they if they wander away. <laughs> the slimelings, once they have enough affection towards you, will grow kind of like weirdly muscular legs. Now they're called uh, uh, umphoros. Umphoros is sort of like your mount that will get you around the world of MonsantoQuest.online. Um, this is so haunted. That aside... What was I even saying? Thank you all the new (laughs) listeners who maybe have run away, who have run away with their muscular legs from this show. Now that we've revealed our true form, uh, two dark sorcerers uh, just sort of looking for more power and more data. I got to be honest, Steve and I have been recording this episode for almost four hours at this point. I (laughs) I think the edit is going to be under two hours, but Steve and I have been recording for four. Yeah, we had the energy we did at the end of like a Last of Us Part 2 eight-hour session, but it's it's been a short episode. This Skype call in four seconds is going to hit three (laughs) hours and 45 minutes. Two, one, woohoo! Um... Anyway, thank you for all your positive feedback on the show. Um, if you like it, sharing it with a friend is the best way to help it grow. Um, if you go to intothecast.online, that has all the links to our Discord, our YouTube channel, which has all our stuff that we uh, stream on Twitch. We have our Twitch there as well. Our Twitter. Um, most handles are at intothecast, but all the links are at intothecast.online. Thank you so much to our patrons. We, that was another thing I wanted to say. We, we've seen a lot of new patrons, and that's really incredible. If you are backing the show currently and it puts you in any financial strain, please do not. As we say every week, the Patreon helps us grow, uh, but we can do the show without it. So if it ever becomes um, unsustainable, by all means, withdraw the support. But we really, really appreciate the financial support that we already have. That's going to help me get a new capture card so I can stream more, stuff like that. You know, we use it on equipment and, and, and things just to help the show do more. So we really appreciate it. I think that's it. So I'm so amazed at myself for, for sticking the landing in this like sort of tempest that I built myself for this metaphorical surf. Yeah. I, I somehow got back to shore. Yeah. Okay. Totally. You're yeah. Bruce Wayne climbing out of the well. Yeah, you, <laughs> you did it. I'm really, I'm really proud of you. Cause man, you, you were a lost sheep for a little bit there. I feel like I'm getting like middle school feedback on my report card. Really similar. <laughs> See me after class. Yeah, it's like you got an A, but like, what the hell were you doing in class? Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, I think I had to eat lunch or something. Um, anyway. Well, I think it's time for you and I to go play Dragon Quest. Yeah, that's really it. I think we got to go. Good morning, video games. You said the link earlier, but maybe say it again. Oh, yeah, it's GMVG. There's the letters dot online. Cool. I'll put it in the show notes here so you can you can click on that link or at any moment you can go to the worst garbage dot online and uh, and you can you can click on the links to all the shows on the network. And also, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I had a link to the test episodes of Good Morning Video Games available on the worst garbage dot online the entire time I was doing test episodes. And I do know that some people found them. Uh, so I don't know. It might be worth checking that link every once in a while and just see if there's new stuff. There. Yeah. Why not? Just check the link. I'm like Taylor Swift. I like to hide things. <laughs> also that, that sounded way worse. She's actually really known for <laughs> hiding stuff like in her lyrics and like will show up in interviews and like put stuff in the background of her camera that like alludes to stuff that's coming out. That's what I meant. I just want to be clear. Not that um, she's I'm like a big a, Taylor Swift <laughs> fan. I, I should also mention that. I, I should do. Be por- bigly disgraced podcaster calls Taylor Swift a common thief. <laughs> <laughs> That um, cut purse, Taylor T. Swift, yeah. stole my gem. Uh, it was haunted. Hey, 
the worst garbage out online has a, has cool links. Honestly, there's one one link that is still available there. If you go click the question mark, I, look, we're so late into this episode. Like, yeah, live a little. I don't know who's listening. The people who already know this are listening. But if you go there and you click on the question mark that's avail that's on that website, uh, you will end up on a feed called the TWG Sandbox, which is where we like test stuff out every once in a while. And I highly recommend going there. And if you haven't listened to it, go listen to the inverse of this podcast out of the nether. There's only one episode and it's a fucking nightmare. <laughs> on, on the same page, because I was going to bring up the sandbox. That's where I think if we have any other ideas for new shows or, or new things, they will probably appear there first in earnest. Yeah. Just to kind of test it out. Um, right now, I think it is just out of the nether, isn't it's, it? It's out of the nether and it's the podcast online, which is a thing that Andrea and oh, I are, are cool, cool. playing around with. So there, there will be more stuff there that's like kind of like pilots. So yeah. It's vaguely cursed, but also a helpful resource. Totally. Uh, yeah. So yeah, we'll, we'll announce more stuff. Um, there, there were, there are other ideas beyond Good Morning Video Games for like other tangential things for this podcast. But who knows if, if and when they'll ever materialize. But it just, you know, stay tuned, dear listener. Um, stay tuned. The the God. Aether is kind of like. Um, What's that thing from Doctor Who called? The police box? I I know nothing about Doctor Who. That's like a... that There are a few things I just missed, and that was one of them. Oh, okay. Well, inside the yeah. police box, it's way bigger than it is on the outside. <laughs> that's what the uh, Aether's like. That's cool. Yeah. It's like a... All right. What's that, what's that pouch? It's like endless? <laughs> what is that from? Is that from a video game? Is that a movie? Is that a what book? What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> the pouch that's endless. <laughs> I know, like, it, the worst part is, like, I know what you're talking about, but I have no idea how to get there. Yeah. It's, like, another conundrum. Anyway, um, the, the Aether's mysterious. Yeah, god damn it. Hey, my name is <laughs> Brendan Bigley. You can find me on the internet at Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. You can find me at Stephen Hilger. Goodbye! I just got a notification from Starbucks that says, tomorrow is Meatless Monday. <laughs> we gotta go! I don't want to... Yeah. <laughs> Why, why did the same part of my brain light up hearing Meatless Monday at Starbucks as Endless Pouch? They both mean everything and nothing to me. Goodbye. Bye. TWG, the worst garbage, the online.